The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Hey, Wendy. Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm good. How are you? More importantly, you have you been under the weather? Yeah, no, I still, well, you can still hear it a little bit. I got a, a voice thing, but the, 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 it keeps going. It keeps going. So anyway, but I'm here. I'm here. How are you? What are you thinking about? I'm great. I, I want to know if you have any thoughts on the patriarchy. The what? <laughs> Is it a little early? The patriarchy. Oh, the patriarchy. Oh. Yes, the patriarchy. Oh, you mean like where, you know, men sort of hold all the power and women mostly don't hold much power, that, that thing? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Quite seriously, it's always lurking under everything that, that, we, uh, that we do on this show. Just by calling ourselves and many of our guests women of ill repute, we're implying that our repute is being made ill by... Well, the patriarchy. The patriarchy. Of course, yeah. yes. Men, they're mostly white. They're mostly middle-aged. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. yeah. But don't we like middle-aged guys? I mean, or even love middle-aged guys? Yeah, well, we married a couple of white middle-aged guys. One each. <laughs> Good you pointed that out. <laughs> uh, and I'm the mother of two white guys who will one day be middle-aged, though they probably don't realize that. And I wonder... <laughs> I wonder if their time has come, has come and gone. Well, I don't know. I kind of wonder about that. They certainly had their day in the sun, held all the power. Although, you know what? I've been saying that there's been this big change for like decades now. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. No argument. But there's a. It has got to, to be a challenge. Is a. I'm talking about our guest, who you can see if you're watching us, uh, a seemingly average white middle-aged man, uh, <laughs> and it's got to be hard to be relevant. <laughs> And to express thoughts and opinions <laughs> that are not uh, that are not dated or elitist or or insensitive. Uh yeah, and he's also kind of funny in a uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he was just flashing his boobs at us, but but he's, <laughs> for those of you who can see it, we'll bring him on in a second. But go ahead. Yeah, well, if this sounds familiar to you or interesting, chances are you've heard of Brittle Star. Yeah, so that is his uh, nom de guerre or nom de internet or nom de online. I don't know, what whatever that is. We'll figure out what it means. Um, but yeah. But his real name is Stuart Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah, Stuart Reynolds is a comedian and uh, he's a writer from Stratford, Ontario. And you may know him from a Facebook campaign for KFC which became, at the time, the world's most watched branded video. That's back in 2017, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but lately, he's he's kind of this biting presence on social media. It's kind of cool, uh, especially on Twitter. He makes fun, sometimes gently, sometimes pointedly, of, of everybody. Men, women, everybody. Canadians. He calls himself the internet's uh, favorite dad, complete with dad bod, dad jeans, dad jokes, and uh, yeah, dad jokes. Welcome, Brittle Star, Stuart Reynolds. Hi. Gosh, you know how to make a guy feel welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say behind you? Really good? Really, really goat? Really? Oh. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, uh, my daily, it's really goats, and uh, but if you squint your eyes, it says really great. <laughs> Which is just my daily affirmation. I come out here, I plug in the neon sign, and I kneel down in front of it, and I just go, maybe today. Maybe today. Um, we put you in a position maybe that you're not comfortable in, but you, you put yourself there as that you are. You call yourself the Internet's dad. And favorite dad. It's true. Internet's favorite dad. Exactly. 
Yeah, yeah, and I actually stole that kind of from, well, not really stole, but as an homage to Alan Thicke. Oh, yeah? Because he used to have in his Twitter bio, America's favorite dad, but he spelt favorite the Canadian way. as like a little oh. bit of a, huh, huh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And then when he died, I was like, well, no one else is using it. I'll just steal it and make it the internet favorite dad. <laughs> it's like the art, the symbol that Prince used. Somebody should take that because it's, it's <laughs> Too available. Soon. I think you got to show the thing behind you because it, it does kind of look like goat. Yeah, no, that's Matt. Yeah, really great. Well, it's cursive, and that's the, that's the problem with the kids today is that no one's learning cursive. It's really great, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, let's start with that. Is that, one, that is one of the problems. I agree. Nobody can write anymore. Nobody has handwriting. They taught us cursive in grade two, and I'm like, are kids in grade two writing checks? Like, we don't need to know this yet, do we? Like, these kids couldn't even do a proper W. I was in a store the other day, and I, well, it was a couple of years ago, but anyway, I was buying stamps because I had to, like, mail a check to somebody who, like, lives in the woods. But anyway, I was mailing something. I was buying stamps. And this 20-year-old said to me, oh, my God, is that a stamp? And I'm like, screw you, buddy. Like, yeah, it's a stamp. <laughs> but, but yeah, no one uses stamps, checks. Oh, my God, absolutely. Yeah, we've had times with both of our boys are 21 and 24 years old now. And uh, they we've had two separate instance, instances where they've had to mail something. And they're like, how do I do this? Like, they've never been taught how to format the address or anything, you know? Like, but, of course, why would they? My Well, exactly. There's no need to. So my son, who's just turned 30, got married last year and they were sending out their wedding invitations and he literally called me, excuse me, and said, how does this work again? (laughs) (laughs) That's a bit unbelievable, really, when you think about it. And today, even though, you know, emails are free and stuff as such, it's unbelievable that you can put something on a piece of paper and then you can wrap it at another piece of paper and then put another piece of paper on that. (laughs) And lick it. And someone will take it and then yeah, lick it. And lick it. And then someone, someone will take it and to the other person physically for like a buck. That's yeah. crazy. So you've got two sons. Are, are, are they part of the patriarchy? Are you training them well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. We watch nothing but Andrew Tate videos. And uh, oh, yeah, we just share them back and forth in a group chat called. Um, <laughs> no, no. I think. I mean, look at me. <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah, but look at you. You do look like you do look like what you are, which is a a, a dad, a, a funny, wry, white dad, and a and a colorful. Sh- yeah, wry is good. You are very wry. I, like I think rye. this is the first time I've seen you smile. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. See, is she? Is she? Oh, very. I nice. know. I don't very like nice. to smile very often, but I just had my teeth whitened yeah. like two days ago, so I'm okay. Yeah. Huh. Not bad. It's hard to tell in this light. Yeah, well, I've been watching all of these uh, series that go back 100 years, but they all have really super white teeth. They didn't have super white teeth 100 years ago. So I don't know. I I don't know what maybe it's the 5G (laughs) is what it is. Yeah, I think they're retouched now for those old guys. I mean, I think Clark Gable had wooden (laughs) teeth. Or was that George Washington? (laughs) One of those guys. Had really bad teeth. Uh, listener, if you're looking for historical facts, uh, you can change to a different podcast now. <laughs> I know a lot of stuff. Are you a? Uh, are you a, a, a like a not a trivia? But I mean, that's there's a the place uh, in the world, and it's called the internet for people yeah. who know a lot of stuff that isn't particularly useful in any other area, but becomes very entertaining on on social. 
Are you one of those guys? I think you've just you've described my career. <laughs> what I've <laughs> mine too. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, I, it's, I started doing social media when I was forty three years old, and the notion that I could make a living out of using my telephone to film videos and post them for people is ridiculous, isn't it? It's just nonsense. Uh, but here I am. And yet, it's not the worst. It's not the worst development in this postmodern no. world that we can all become our own filmmakers and, and recording studios so that we, we all have that means at our disposal and a way of sharing it with other people. Like, yeah, I'm describing yeah. your career. No, I think, it's, I think it can be very, very wonderful. And yet, you're kind of, you market yourself as, we'll get into the dad stuff in a minute, but I find it really interesting, back to the patriarchy. Um, uh, well, just the whole idea that, that, you kind of school people in a nice way and you say, I have opinions and I'm a middle-aged white guy and it's okay to have opinions. So some opinions, I guess, like how, do, how did you figure it out? Were you feeling ignored or did you feel like there was a gap or what? Like why? I think not so much ignored. It's hard to be ignored when you're a white dude. I mean, that's, that's the key is that that's one of the benefits of being a white guy is that you can do a lot of things that people who aren't white guys can do. But I think that there was definitely a gap. There was kind of this notion I could tell, uh, I remember years ago saying to my wife, Shannon, I want to declare my views on things. And she was like, you don't necessarily have to declare them. You just have to kind of walk the walk. You kind of have to demonstrate them and show other white guys that they don't have to panic. And that's kind of been my, my, my MO. It's kind of been like, everyone's panicked. Like they're going to come take their cargo shorts and beers <laughs> and back decks. And it's like, relax guys. It's fine. You know what? Transgender people are coming for your backyard yeah. barbecue. Nobody. It's fine. <laughs> Who cares? Move on. <laughs> and so you've become, and I'm bor borrowing from Lena Dunham here, if not the voice of your generation, you're a voice of your generation. <laughs> what is this? No, I'm no, just no, no. Up. I mean, that, I mean I it's... The, the biggest branded video in the world in 2017, which was met with a, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who was that? It was the chickens or something? That was you. That was you. No, I'd be in Nike. I beat Nike by 10 million views. Cristiano Ronaldo can suck it. He was in their video that year. <laughs> Take that, patriarchy. So you're, you've are you got a, a – this is burgeoned. I mean, are you surprised by this? This has exploded. I've been following you for probably about a year, and I don't follow a lot of people, but I'm sure – I mean, I'm not alone. You've all, you've t you've tapped into a vein. Does Did this surprise you? I mean, this is your full-time job, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Yeah. I've been doing this full time for the past 10 years. So I've been doing it for a long time and it's, I've seen a lot of changes, but I mean, it certainly over the course of like the pandemic and stuff, when there was a captive audience <laughs> uh, and it suddenly meant that, uh, you know, Oh, you'd look at late night talk shows and they were suddenly filming from their house and stuff. And I was like, I've been doing that for years. So it kind of leveled the playing field a little bit and it kind of really made social media content and video content specifically on par with television. It was kind of like, well, this is how I, I see the world through my phone, whether it be TV or videos or whatever. And that's been really interesting change that's happened in the past like three and a half years, but it's been gradual. Like I've sort of seen it, you know, it's, it's been, it feels like a 10 year overnight success stories was essentially what it's been. I mean, yeah. like in 2016, I was invited to the white house by the Obamas. It's like, Ooh. that's seven years ago. Right. I mean, Wendy wouldn't even consider that a thing. 
<laughs> I've never been to the well. It used to be they didn't have. You, you used to be able to go up and like knock on the window and go hi. And now you're like you're like five <laughs> yeah. blocks away. It's a. It's, they frown on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Especially you know. Well, nothing happened when I waved through the window. But I wonder how do you figure out? Like, does Shannon give you advice on how to? Like, you, you mentioned the vaccination thing on COVID. Like, you actually wrote kind of pointed stuff about vaccinations like how do you feel what's what's the line like you made fun of people for not getting a vaccination as part of that sort of notion of take a deep breath this is not as complicated as you think it is this is not some sort of dark arts this is not like you just have to it's more intuitive than you think it's like this is happening someone said who has proven right for decades and decades we should do this we should probably at least try that let's just do that um as opposed to, you know, sort of flying off the deep end and stuff. And it was, I think, I think I was able to fortunately speak to the frustrations of a lot of people who were like, I think I'm doing the right thing, but these people are telling me I'm not. It's like, no, take a breath. You're doing the right thing. It's fine. Keep, let's just, just move through this as much as we can. That's it. So, I mean, I felt there was times where, I mean, I got lots of blowback for sure. But at the time, it's also, it's kind of like, this is a war effort. This is like, everyone just do your bit and shut up <laughs> not too many jokes there though <laughs> well i mean there is in a sense because i mean i remember i was thinking about uh there's this whole stink right now in the anti-vax community about influencers I, I, i'm not an influencer because i'm not good looking enough i'm a content creator as such uh uh-huh. but there was this there's this whole story <laughs> about how oh thank you i am pretty good looking i'll take it um, there's this whole story about how the government had been paying off influencers to like, pu- to, to promote the use of vaccines and stuff. And I'm, I've put out numerous things saying I didn't get paid. I didn't get paid at all to do any of that stuff. Primarily because, you know, one of the videos I did was a, a rock song parody of white snake that was called, Holy fuck, just get your vaccine, baby. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, just fucking do it. So, I mean, that's kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to take that stance anytime because that's 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 my regular stance in real life as well. It's kind of like, just what are we doing? Don't waste my time and yours. That brings me to a point. You are who you are. This is not an act. This is not um, brittle star as you're as Wendy said. You're known to internet, which I like. But yeah. but that you're not you're not uh, espousing or professing any views that you Stuart Reynolds uh, do not hold, or are you? Yeah, and I th- no, no, no. I think that's accurate, and I think that's one of the weird things about social media specifically is that it it's a very like to sort of succeed, not absolutely, but largely to succeed on social media, there has to be some sort of authentic connection and genuineness to what you're doing, because people it's such an intimate medium. Like people are holding you in their hands while you're talking to them, and they're in on the bus with headphones or they're in the bathroom or they're in, on the couch or in bed or something. And it's a very intimate medium. And there's a very big trust factor built into that. And I, I think one of the things when I started doing this was like, I can't portray something that's not going to be me. So when these people meet me in real life, I don't want them to go, well, you, you said this, but you're obviously not doing that. There's like a really weird parasocial relationship people have with social media content and I try to be aware of that. So and part of being aware of that is just kind of like, I don't want to do something I can't continue doing or don't believe in doing, essentially. I probably shouldn't tell you this because you're on the podcast as we speak, but someone told me the other day that... Uh, oh, go, yeah. go. Yes, I, I listen to your podcast when I'm going to sleep at night because it helps put me to sleep. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up. Wake up, listener. Wake up. Wake I hope up. your sleep's ruined. I'm, I'm sure they meant at the very end when we said goodnight that that was, yeah, that must be it. That's probably yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Yes, I know. No, there are people out there making a living doing podcasts that put people to sleep. You know, some very, very big names are doing that. So let, you know, more power to them. But that that is not what we're about. So other than anti-vaxxers, Stuart, what else is uh, turning your crank these days? What else is getting under your skin? Oh, it's too late for anti-vaxxers. They don't get under my skin. They're just whatever. It's too, we've moved, we've moved on. You know, I mean, I think it's just, I think one of my reasons for doing what I do is, is realizing I have a platform and then, and again, saying to other, I sort of feel like the middle-aged white guy whisperer. I feel like I can sort of say to other middle-aged white guys, again, this is not a big deal. Like, like you saw that there's a clip of Kid Rock uh, using, uh, shooting up cases of Bud Light. Oh God. Yeah, because Bud Light had a yeah. uh, trans woman as part of their uh, campaign or something, and it was like, dude, dude, dial it back. <laughs> it's really not worth the what energy. Are, what are you upset about? Like this? First of all, if you're drinking Bud Light, you've already crossed the line. <laughs> there goes that sponsor. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, second to that, like, what's the what's the, what's the point? It's just so. It's like, I kind of. I, I think it's there's a. There's a there's room for someone and and for content not someone but room for content that says we don't have to get super hyped about this we don't have to be I'm not like trying to shove stuff into people's faces I'd rather just be like this is a non-issue like this is this has little to no impact on me whatsoever and it makes things better for other people okay sure sounds great to me and that's kind of been what I like to try to have as a guide for what I'm doing, basically. So there's nothing that really gets under my skin as such. It's just sort of like, everyone calm down. I think it's wonderful that you're speaking out. It's wonderful that you're taking positions on tricky stuff. And it's wonderful that you're doing that while trying to make people laugh. But most importantly, I think it matters that you're saying that older people, middle-aged people, even white guys, members of the patriarchy, they deserve to be listened to and, and that we're still learning. We, we have thoughts and we might be learning some stuff, but we also have stuff to add. So I, anyway, I just, I think it's great. So you can lean over and show your really great thing now. Well, thank you. <laughs> the Women of Ill Repute. As the father of boys, men, um, Yes. And, and, uh, and as I said, I have two of my own as well. I think, you know, it, I remember when they were born and everybody was like, oh, another boy. It's like, who gives a shit now? But at the time, it's some having boys was some sort of testimony to to a dad who, had, who you know, as we know, biologically right. has nothing to do with the sex of a, or the gender of the of the child. But as as the parent of two to, you know, the, 50 years ago, they would have had the world by the tail. And I'm not saying they don't. Uh, they're tall, well-educated, white. But if they are up for a job against a person of color who has the same qualifications, they are not going to get that job. And I'm not whining about this, but it's a reality. And and, and I, I wonder how you feel both as what you do and as a parent about that, the the fact that the scales are, are starting to tip in the postmodern world. Well, I mean... I mean, that's a tough, it's a tough thing to respond to because it's, there's, I think when in, in 
this is a pretty lofty statement, but I think in social justice, this, that, that pendulum swings hard in either direction it goes in, as we've seen over the course of history. I mean, I think sort of you see that political correctness and it swings really, really hard in the other direction to the exclusion of people uh, that were once previously had the advantage. And I, the thing is, I don't think it'll stay there. Like it, it just can't stay there. So I think it'll come back down and hopefully it'll be just an even playing field so that it becomes less of a case of looking at someone and saying, oh, this person's, you know, I like this person. I don't know why. And the reason is that they are the same color as you. And it'll be more a case of like, well, there's a bunch of people. And of course, they're all different colors because who cares? I'm going to pick the person that I like the best and that works the best. And that's that's basically it. But I think, you know, what's really interesting, we've been talking about this recently is that uh, myself and Shannon is that. I think the, the, the pandemic, and not to harp, to harp too much on that, but the pandemic was such a time of floaty, uh, non-binary, to sort of steal a term, uh, reality. It was kind of like, well, this might be happening, but it might not be happening. And this could be happening, but this, there's a lot of, lot of indecision, a lot of uh, cloudiness and, and vagueness to it. And I think you can sort of see how that has impacted people who are like now panicked, like supercharged panic about... LGBTQ plus issues and transgender issues and race issues. And it's like, everybody just wants something concrete and absolute. And especially the detractors from those who are against those, those communities, you can see how the, the pandemics had that effect on people and, and really supercharged those emotions. But the, the idea is like, again, as it's been said a million times is that, you know, equality doesn't, and equity doesn't mean that, uh, that someone else has to suffer. It means that everybody comes up. Everyone's coming up. Ideally, I mean, that's, but it takes a while to get there because you have to kind of swing hard and then come back up. Yeah, I used to think that there were cycles in life, and now I'm not so sure that there are, because I think, as has been said by so many, that things have gone perhaps a little bit too far. But then I remember how things were 20, 30, 40 years ago, and that was completely unacceptable, what was said about so oh, many yeah. people who are, yeah, so it's just... You know, I, th I think perhaps there has been an extreme reaction in some quarters. And uh, but now I'm a middle aged white woman and it's almost as bad as being a middle aged white man. So, <laughs> so it's <laughs> Karen. Well, I know. I know. What was funny is that we you know when I, when you guys had approached me about talking about this this theme and I was like, huh, pretty lofty for two old white ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Lofty, you can call us lofty. By the way, I love I love how we're stretching middle age now because clearly well, we're going yeah. we're going to live to be 130. There's a bunch of people who are like 40 going go to hell. Yeah, yeah. I remember Keith Bogue was a correspondent for CBC for 100 years, like me, and uh, he once I was anchoring the news and I was wearing fake pearls, big, huge, like Wilma Flintstone uh, kind of pearls, and he said, "Oh, you look a little." middle-aged in those pearls and i'm like i'm 50 if i live to 100 like that would be great who are you calling middle-aged <laughs> anyway yeah now, that would be us <laughs> no i don't want to be that either well, what comes after that elderly i mean i i, I give wendy a hard time because she's two years older than me so i'm always saying well ask wendy she's older she'll know <laughs> But it is like, what's the next benchmark? I'm not, I mean, old, I, I'm starting to embrace old lady. I mean, as soon as I let my hair go, the the color that it is, Lisa, Lisa and me, I thought, okay, what the hell? I am an old, I'm, but I'm not an old lady. I'm not, an, I'll, I, when I, I'll let you know when I am. Actually, I won't even know who you are. <laughs> yeah.
I bet you every generation says this, but it feels like, you know, what was old when we were young is no longer that old anymore. I mean, I think, you know, if you, as long as you have your health, there's a lot you can do until you can't, you can still do it. So, well, the average age that people died of in the twenties and the 1920s was 61. I just read that a like, oh, yeah. hundred years ago, we'd be dead. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I remember talking to my, talking to my parents and they'd be like, oh, my grandparents, like nobody lived past 63. And it's like, oh God, like that's, and they, and they felt like really old, you know? Whereas our kids well, could very well see three digits. They're kind of not counting on it, but kind of dealing with the reality that they're going to be around maybe longer than they want to be. What, yeah, when I, well, when our youngest was born in 2002, Gregor, he, I remember a story came out like th that month saying kids born this year will live to a, about 150. And it's like, hmm. I don't know if that's good or not. No, 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 no. There's not rough enough room or jobs or money for, for everybody to be around. Yeah. Well, listen, we could be on the moon by then and Mars, you never know. Not with Elon, but, you know, with somebody else, maybe. Well, yeah. his clone. But what about your kids? I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, of, of mummy blogs. You're not exactly a daddy blog. You're kind of, I, I don't know what you are, but have you ever thought of doing a daddy blog? Where are all the kids? Where I guess they're, they're out of diapers God, I now, hope so. But... They're in their 20s. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It'll come for a full circle maybe eventually, but for now, everyone's out of diapers. But it's, yeah, no, I mean, I've gone to a couple of events. I've spoken at a couple of events for a conference called Dad 2.0, which is really interesting. And it's full of like daddy bloggers and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's really great. Like it's, it's a super supportive environment. There's like it's there's a it's a bunch of tough guys who are like talking about being dads and it's like cool <laughs> tough guys and, and it's true it's crazy you sort of go and you think oh yeah it's like oh you're like oh these are going to be a bunch of softies and it's like oh no these are like really hard guys who are like we're going to get absolutely ripped tonight in new orleans and uh then tomorrow we're going to get up and talk and cry <laughs> Yeah, which is really great. And it's a really great convention conference type thing. It's really fun. But I mean, I, I remember thinking the last one I went to was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I necessarily fit into this category anymore. And I think that's partly because when we started doing content for social media, our kids were 11 and 14. And uh, they're I mean, they're not cute anymore. I mean, they're doing their own thing. It's, there's, it's like, you know, just swim, kids swim. So it's I, I don't I've been trying to kind of be a little bit of that dad character and i certainly get a lot of people who connect to me online who look for that kind of dad and that dad vice type of thing for me but uh but in a good way i mean you remind me a little bit of stephen colbert or he reminds me a little bit about you not necessarily as a, i like the latter <laughs> okay we'll go with that but that idea that there's a, you know and it's men who are not afraid to sound sensitive and intelligent and that's a fairly new persona but in fact, I'm going to take it a little further. I was watching uh, Bob Odenkirk's new show, uh, Lucky Hank. I don't know you can compare it to his, to uh, to Better Call Saul. This, there's a bleakness that I find in popular culture now for men that their stories are. Uh, we're going to use the word "rye" again, but sort of undercut with a sense of of uh, oh, I'm depressing myself now. You know, a sense of loss almost or a sense of what could have been or, you know, not fulfilling potential or <laughs> so different from what it was growing up where men were men and were very sure who they were and what they were supposed to represent for better or for worse. Now there seems to be more of a, more of a search for, for, for the proper role to take on. 
They used to just turn to alcohol, didn't they, in the in the old days? <laughs> well, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, really, I mean, that's. I think I don't buy into this idea that there was a time when men were men. I sort of feel like on the uh, on the surface, maybe it looked like that. And I think there was a much easier identity to buy into that everyone was kind of like, let's just all pretend like this is the way things are and this is everyone's happy. I'm sure there was lots of tremendously unhappy and soul searching dudes back in the 50s. It's kind of like, you know, you think back to, uh, uh, I remember my high school girlfriend, her family is from Windsor and her, both of her grandparents were, one was GM, one was Ford and they, they had moved to Windsor to be part of the auto manufacturing industry. And uh, that was like, that was, was baked in. That's what you did. And the whole neighborhoods were sprung up around that idea. And then, then it just all fell apart and it was kind of left a bunch of people going, I don't know. I don't know who I am anymore. I've never had to think about it. I've just been able to sort of slot in and track in. I remember as a side note to that, there was, uh, I got asked to speak to a bunch of grade eights one time. This is like really early on. And it's like very early on in 2013, maybe just the beginning of 2014. And these kids were getting ready to go into high school. And the principal was up before me and he was like, this is the uh, track you take if you want to do this career. And this is the track you take if you want to take this career. And then it was my turn. And I was like, kids, what I'm doing for a job didn't exist six months ago, six months ago. So keep, you know, keep the doors open, learn as much as you can and just be prepared for anything. Just do, you know, try to find something that makes you happy because it's, it's not the same anymore. It's not the same. We have to kind of reinvent what's happening and we can't just sort of cookie cutter everybody because people don't fit like that. What did your kids tell people that you did back when they were kids and you were just starting out? Um, actor or was it that simple or did no, they I, say I think what was weird was that because we were part of like we we started on an app called Vine which was 6.4 second looping videos and uh it was such a popular app that people just assumed we were rich from the get go they were like oh yeah I know what your dad does like so everybody kind of knew and then of course both of our kids were creating content as well so they were just, I think they, they cringed the most to people sort of assuming that we were rich and famous. And it's like, no, you should come see our house. We are not rich and famous. <laughs> we're like living in leftover 1986 Bollywood here. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I spent it all on the sign. Yeah. Well, you know, podcast, right? <laughs> really goat. Yeah. yeah. I'm really you the greatest blew, of all time. You blew your... <laughs> <laughs> but now you're voted, right? G-R-A-T-E. Because you've got a podcast and you're online. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> really goat. <laughs> we have to let you go soon. And we didn't even get to ask about dad jokes, but uh, I don't think you tell them anymore. I think you're, you're just a, a little bit humorous. I'm more uh, cerebral than that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you What are you? What, what's uh, anything coming up that you need to plug or want to plug? Because. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's a lots of fun stuff happening, which is great. Uh, but I think the, the most exciting thing for me, at least on the horizon, is that I have a book coming out in September uh, in Simon & Schuster on their Post Hill Press imprint, which uh, I really take great delight in knowing that my fellow do you call them label mates when you're on a on, on a publishing uh, uh, company? Uh, no, I, I, there is uh, a, na- a name for it. I don't think it's label. That, that's record record. Uh, but yeah, but your other your your literary colleagues, literary colleagues include Lauren Bobbert. So that's good. Wow. Uh, oh wow, <laughs> Felicitations! Yeah. yeah, the yeah. the ghost of Herman Cain and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it should be should be great. What's it called? Actually, they've been great. It's called "Welcome to the Stupid Apocalypse: Survival Tips for the Dumb Again." Okay. Oh, and it's coming out in the fall. Yeah. Can you give us one tip? 
sure. Uh, take a breath and uh, relax. That's probably one. That's one general tip. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it should be fun. The forward's written by Ryan Reynolds. Are you serious? Aww. The afterward is written by Colin Mockery. Yeah, afterward's written by Colin Mockery, and the middle word is written by Mary Trump. <laughs> Are you serious? So I'm excited. Oh, <laughs> totally serious. <laughs> I love Colin Mockery. Well, Ryan Reynolds too, but Colin Mockery is is amazing. So that's oh, that's so great. I know they're all great. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a fan. I like all of them. Uh, but yeah, congratulations. We'll have you, you back on. We'd love to if you'll come back on. Absolutely. As long yeah. as I, I mean, I expect sort of slightly less. What hard hitting introduction? <laughs> you were supposed to be listening. <laughs> oh, sorry. You were, yeah, no. Oh, white guy privilege again. <laughs> oh. You should hear what we say after we say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's coming up. Uh, Stuart Reynolds, also known as Brittle Star, you can follow him. Oh yeah, why do you why do you call it Brittle Star? So Brittle Star was a band name in two thousand four, and I. I wrote an album, uh, co-wrote an album with Stephen Duffy, who was the, one of the founders of Duran Duran and wrote with Robbie Williams and uh, the Barney Ladies and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I thought, no one's going to buy a T-shirt with Stuart Reynolds on it, so I better find a better name. So our oldest son, Owen, uh, had a Marine Life book. He was three at the time, and uh, he loved this section on starfish. And one of the starfish were called Brittle Stars. They could Aww. see out of their tentacles, and they could and they defecated out of their mouths. And I was like, cool. <laughs> And, and, I, and then I, when I made the switch from uh, rock and roll to comedy, I was like, this works. This works. So. Yes, yeah, I love that. See out of their fingers and defecate out of their mouths. Just like me. <laughs> Stuart Reynolds, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. So much fun to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, work on that sign. Uh, well, I'm just going to kneel in front of it for a bit after this. <laughs> Lovely to talk to you. <laughs> bye 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 oh i love him yeah he's he's so great i'm so happy that people like him are able to survive and thrive he's got yeah. a book coming out now good we didn't have to read that for the show <laughs> yeah i don't think it would have been tough we may we should have him yeah this is there are a number of people that we talk to that i feel like we should have as regulars and i'm sure that uh that our listeners wouldn't disagree that that Stuart would be one of them because, you know, I mean, he's funny as hell in, in a wry, dry kind of way, but he's, you know, he, he thinks about these things and, and, and he's representing his, his species finally, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as I say, middle-aged white women are in the same camp as he know, is now. So just, there's a lot of women sort of glorifying being women. I hope, to God, that's not what we're doing, maybe. But, uh, but I know what you mean. I don't want to come across as sort of sanctimonious or, or holier than thou because I'm some sort of privileged white woman, middle-aged white woman. Because <laughs> I'm going to live to be 130, by the way. <laughs> but you're really great. Oh, yeah. Well, you're really goat. So, <laughs> so that's fantastic. <laughs> so I managed to make it through. Apparently, there was a little bit of snorkeling and uh, there was a little involved. bit. Yeah. Oh well. Oh, oh well. well. My God, Wendell you're human. I have a cold. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, you who do. knew I had? Yeah. You can't have a laryngitis as an anchor or yeah. as a podcaster, apparently. But anyway, he, he was lovely. He it was, was lovely. so nice to talk to him. Yeah. And bye. Bye. <laughs> Women of Ill Repute was written and produced by Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley with the help from the team at the Sound Off Media Company and producer Yet Belgraver.
Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.